Welcome to another episode of Just Me with R.R. Campbell on our continuing quest to live unscripted, unedited, and unafraid. If you've been with me now for any number of episodes prior to this, or if you like the sound of what it means to live unscripted, unedited, and unafraid, I encourage you to take a second now, click that subscribe button. I'd love to have you along for the journey. Or if you're listening to the podcast version of this, Make sure you're subscribed on your preferred podcasting platform as well. But yes, we have a new week here and the music you are hearing, if it sounds familiar, this is our last week for it, but if it sounds familiar, yes, we've been building our way toward a jazzified version of the Lost Woods theme from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I thought I'd have a little more playfulness with the piano in there. It didn't quite come together as I had it in my head, but when you're up against time constraints, when you're only building one track per week, or I suppose this does have five tracks in it, I cheated a little bit in there by adding two. What are you gonna do? We do the best we can with the time that we have. That aside, it's time to hop right into everyone's favorite segment, Relatability Corner. Yes, this last week I asked everyone, well, you need to complete the following sentence. That's how we've been doing these prompts lately. And last week's sentence was, when I have an idea for a new project or direction in life, I pursue it with abandon, evaluate before acting, or try it out, then evaluate. And all of this came up in the context of a new project that I started this week that you can also find here on the same YouTube channel for those of you who are watching on YouTube. That is the Good Morning Writer Folk Show. I was thinking about how I was just kind of had the idea we're going to jump in and then we're going to evaluate. So I wanted to know what those of you out there in listener and viewer land had to say about this for your own projects and for your own experiences. And based on the results of the poll that I threw up on Twitter at I am R.R. Campbell, it looks like 63.6% of you evaluate before acting. And then it was a tie, 18.2% each for pursue with abandon or try it out, then evaluate. And I have a cat who has come to life over my shoulder, as you can see. We'll see how we do with uh, him lurking in the background. Is it time to leave, cat? Unscripted, unedited, big part of unedited here, and unafraid. We're gonna go ahead and let the cat out, and we'll return to this conversation in a moment. All right, bud, it's time to go, huh? Look, door's open. Yeah, can you go out for me? Ooh, yeah, it was a good nap though, huh? All right, I was wondering if that would happen, but he had been sleeping rather soundly up until then. So thanks, Ray, for being part of our programming. Next time, if that happens, I'll bring him over. Maybe he'll sit on my lap. But yes, we're talking about whether we're evaluating before acting, trying it out, and then evaluating or pursuing with abandon. As was said on Twitter, most of you are evaluating before you act. And like I said, for this Good Morning Writer Folk program, I have very much been in the mode of, well... I have an idea for this. I know that I'm going to center it around the idea of it being a daily five-minute meditation on exploring and affirming all things writerly, whatever that turns out to be based on how things go during my sunrise writing session. I know that historically, I have the habit of biting off way more than I can chew, and I was concerned about that in getting into this project, but what I am finding about Good Morning Writer Folk, and specifically about having just given it a shot for these first few days of the week and posted the episodes right after, then doing some evaluation on the back end, well, 
I feel pretty good about it so far. It's been nice to be in a position to, kind of like we do for this show, get our thoughts out in the open, really make ourselves walk through them from A to Z or one to a million, whatever the case is, and develop a more nuanced understanding, in this case, of matters that pertain to writing. Whereas in this show, of course, we're looking at life more generally. So it's been a really nice parallel so far, but whether the work is sustainable or not remains to be seen because though, yes, it's a five minute video, not a big deal. And I do it in one take, just like we're doing these episodes, obviously. <sighs> Despite it being five minutes, it's way more than five minutes. Like I said last week, you throw it up on uh, YouTube. It takes time to upload it. It takes time to make sure that the levels are as good as they can be in terms of audio, etc. And that time quickly slips away from you. But for now, it does bring meaning. And that meaning is worth the time that it takes to invest in pursuing this endeavor going forward. So that has me thinking a lot about what it is that my platform, that big capital P platform word that gets thrown around in the writing world, what is my platform going to look like going forward? And it also has me looking back at the evolution of who I am as a person, yes, because that's part of what this show is, is evaluating who we are and how we got here, but looking specifically at it also in the last week or so through the lens of being a writer. Because when we are producing content, whether it is in the form of a video, a podcast, something that we write down, we are capturing a snapshot of who we are at a particular point in time what it is that we were thinking, what was important to us, why we chose to focus on those things, maybe seemed clear at the time, but only in the future do we truly understand why we were in that space or why we were embracing that space in that particular way. And this is all standing out to me, as I said, specifically through the lens of being a writer, because I've gone back to revisit some short stories and poems that I wrote in 2013 and 2014. I'm doing this as a bit of a break in between drafts of a manuscript and as I prepare to jump in to some submissions that are coming my way as part of a fiction contest that I am judging. But as I go through all of these poems and as I go through the short stories, I read all that I had. These are going back probably a couple laptops by now, but I had saved all the files, right? Because I believe it's important we have this available at least to us in the very least. And in going through them, I gained a fair amount of insight I think, into better understanding where I was at mentally, where I was at emotionally, and what that means for me also as a writer, who is now, in my opinion anyway, far better equipped to tackle those topics in a way that is less oof, as the youths might say. So I learned a lot over the course of six, seven years, not only about myself personally, but about the craft of writing. And now I can look back at all of that and say to myself, okay, you came a long way. You can feel pretty good about that by and large, right? There are certain poems and short stories that I'm able to salvage something from and pull forward now into the present with the idea that I might release them all as part of a collection sometime in the future. But of course, not every poem and of course, not every short story was salvageable. So aside from being able to feel pride, yes, in knowing how far I have come, there was also a fair amount of shame 
that came along with what it is I was choosing to write, what it is that I chose to focus on, and how I chose to present it. And it made me think about how fortunate I was in some ways that those poems, that those short stories, they didn't find a third-party location to publish them, and I did not self-publish those because I'd probably be a little disappointed in myself right now because, well, you know, I've changed. What's important to me has changed. The things that I was focusing on in all of that work, though valid more broadly, thematically, things about love, death, whatever, all of the things that you classically get in poetry, etc. But the extraordinary, and this is going to lead us down an interesting wormhole, the extraordinary egocentrism and this sort of self-victimization that existed at the heart of all of it was fascinating because it told me so much about the person I was, where I came from, and more importantly, again, we're getting more specific about this now, how much I have grown as a person who is invested in the presence and engagement of others in the last only six or seven years. Now, the extraordinary irony, and this is where the wormhole comes in, I just said that I was looking back at all of that and really disappointed in the sort of egocentrism with which it was written. And of course, yes, also the sort of like victimization, victim complex that I had developed for myself, the woe is me, etc. But the egocentrism is what stands out to me because an argument could be made that if it were the case that I had taken strides to overcome that sort of egocentrism, that I wouldn't be here right now talking into this camera and sharing my thoughts on these topics as if they were something that the world needed to engage with. This is a topic we are circling back to, it seems. I didn't intend for this conversation to go this way today, but we're circling back to something that we addressed a few episodes back probably, oh, I don't know, episode 10, 11, we had some discussion of narcissism, or does this all the way, does this go all the way back to the quest for empathy in episode six? Maybe it does. But I'm still clearly trying to figure out where the lines are drawn, how often they move, and in what contexts egocentrism is healthy from the standpoint of self-evaluation and self-improvement versus navel-gazing for the sake of navel-gazing. And critically, to what extent is egocentrism part of self-care? Because if we never have ourselves at the center of ourselves, if we're only ever giving, 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 if we're only ever outwardly focused, we can land in these, land in these spots where we lose sight of ourselves entirely and we become someone or something else. And here, that makes me think about a topic that we covered a week or two ago as well. We're starting to see, we're connecting some dots now. This is interesting. It makes me think about how when I was first getting published that I only became the author version of myself. I lost sight of 
who I was as a person who existed independent of something that was a hobby that became something greater. And in the same way, I also lost sight of myself through different avenues when I was in, say, late high school, through college, and doing all that I could to simply put myself in a position to feel as though I was part of something. What an interesting contrast this is going to create. Because if that is true, if it is the case that I spent my late teens and early 20s pushing myself to do things and to participate in events and put myself out there in ways that were meant to further a feeling of belonging, was the hypercorrection then my mid-20s and late-20s when I went so hard the other way that I tried to embrace the no man is an island but prove it wrong sort of mantra. Wow, all right. We're getting really deep in the psychology of a person, specifically me, but let's see if we can distill this down into like greater, something greater here that we can all kind of put in context for ourselves. So you'll notice I used a word a minute ago, hypercorrection, right? And I wish I had offhand a specific example. Oh, we'll use this as an example. So hypercorrection is a phrase that I came into an understanding of through the world of linguistics. And it's this idea that specifically in the context of something like language acquisition, that when someone learns a new grammar rule, for example, and they're told, well, actually, in this case, you want to say Y instead of X, there is then a tendency for people to over apply Y because they haven't quite understood how it works. And so they hypercorrect. An example of someone learning English would be the whole, when do you say me versus when do you say I? Is it Lucy and me went to the store? Is it Lucy and I went to the store? Well, we know that it's Lucy and I went to the store. But if you are someone who is unsure about how me or I works, you're coming to English as your second language, or even for people who it's their first language, but they're trying to get the difference between all of that sorted out, they might say, this and I in context that wouldn't normally ask for it. So if you were in the object position, someone who has just learned this rule might hypercorrect. And instead of saying the gift was given to Lucy and me, they might say the gift was given to Lucy and I. That is a hypercorrection because they're taking this new rule and they're overgeneralizing it and applying it in places that need not, that it doesn't apply basically. And I used hypercorrection in this context a few minutes ago to talk specifically about how I was in a stage of my life, late teens, early 20s, trying to feel like I belonged. And then mid to late 20s, went really hard the other way, was in a position to do some really great self-discovery and focusing on becoming my best me, but I went so hard with it that I actually lost a sense of self at one point and became not me, but became a version of me, which all comes back now to, if we were early 20s teens here on one side of the pendulum, we went to the far side of the pendulum with a hypercorrection to the mid and late 20s. And now, this show, right? We're trying to explore the space between. With Relatability Corner, I swear I didn't think of this stuff beforehand. This is all hitting me now. This is awesome. Relatability Corner and things like that that we focus on at the top of the show and then again at the end of the show, this is where we're trying to talk about belonging, right? That's where we're trying to figure out where it is that we belong. 
Whereas the rest of the episode, the in-between space, is about trying to settle into a better understanding of self by living unscripted, unedited, and unafraid, and letting these thoughts go where they need to go so that we can get away from the hypercorrection and start to achieve that equilibrium in the middle where we can find that true sense of self. Huh. I'm looking at the couple of bullet points I left for myself today. These are not the bullet points that I had for myself today. So we have gone a direction for sure. We were certainly accompanied by my cat, one of the cats, briefly. Thanks again, Ray. But in keeping with this idea that we're looking at belonging and we're also looking at self, let's come back now to a relatability corner that I had set up prior to sitting in the chair here. I'd probably phrase it a little differently now based on where this conversation has gone, but let's use this as our opportunity to talk about belonging for next week and self for next week. For Relatability Corner, we're going to complete the following sentence, and you can head on over to I am R.R. Campbell on Twitter to respond to the poll, and you can also comment there, please. I love it when we get comments. It gives us an opportunity to explore each other's experiences. But here's the sentence. When I look back at the person I've been, I feel blank. The answers are going to be possibilities, I should say, are shame, pride, or indifference. And of course, if you want to add something else in there, go ahead and leave it in the comments. But again, the sentence is, when I look back at the person I've been, I feel shame, pride, or indifference. And then let me know why. Even if you do feel shame, pride, or indifference, let me know in the comments. That would be fantastic. And also, you're free to email me too. Again, it's just me with rr at gmail.com. Had to remind myself that was, in fact, the email address. It's been a minute since I've thrown that out into the universe here. But please let me know. I'd love to get a feel for how you feel about that and really how you feel about any of this. Are there periods in your life when you have gone through hypercorrection, whether you knew it then or are just coming to understand that now? What did that look like to you? And how have you reestablished a sense of equilibrium in the aftermath of all of that? Cool. I like that. Feeling good about that one. All right. So we'll leave it there. Thank you, everyone. Remember, like and subscribe if you'd like to be here for more of these conversations in which we are all about living unscripted, unedited, and unafraid. You can find me, as always, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as I am R.R. Campbell. And hey, keep leaving ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're tuning into the podcast version of this, I really do appreciate that. And we will see you next week we'll have an episode it'll be our first episode of may actually no it won't will it be our first episode of may friends have i made a big goof i might have made a big goof i said at the top of the episode this was our last one for june and it's not so there's gonna be more lost woods theme next week i gave it away a little early this is what i get for not looking at my calendar but we'll be back on june 25th don't you worry we'll spice up the lost woods theme a little bit more see what we get, and then we'll eventually get another live video soon too. So thanks for hanging in there, everyone. I really do appreciate it. Like I said a little earlier, until next week, live unscripted, unedited, and unafraid.